God bless everyone. God bless everyone. Well, we're in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, Old Testament, Bibles. You got a Bible or a device to read the Bible on? What? 1 Samuel chapter 15. Trying to find it. Heavenly Father, I do pray, my God, this night. Pray, my Lord, that you come and speak to your church, my Lord God. You'd use me as your mouthpiece, my God. I pray, my Lord, that you come and minister to your church. My Lord, you know every condition of every person in this place. And I pray, my God, and I know that you're able to meet every person's need, my Lord, every question, my Lord God. And Lord God, that you're able to do it through your word. And I pray, my Lord, that this night that you speak to your church, that you fill us, my God. Give us Challenge us, Lord. Change us and shape us, my Lord. Make us more than what you want, less than what we are, my God, I pray. In Jesus' name, my arms. Thank you, Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 15. It should say, Saul spares Agag. <coughs> Is that what you got? Saul spares Agag. got it? 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now, a bit of a long reading, we read the first nine verses, and then we pause and then we'll read the next one. It says, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people and over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice and the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he ambushed him in the way in the way when he came up out of Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telan, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 of Judah. And Saul came to a city, the city of Amlak, and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Canaanites, Go depart, get down from among the Ammonites, lest I destroy you with them. You show kindness to all the children of Israel when they come up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Ammonites, the, yeah, Amalekites, sorry, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Sir, sure, which is in the east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Ammonites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the beast, uh, sorry, the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatted lambs, and all, all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything displeased 
uh, despised and worthless that were utterly destroyed. <clears throat> so we have uh, a portion of scripture. This, there's so much going on here that if we would just read it, we would read this and just say, whatever's happened here, what's going on? But there's plenty of history that's going on here. So Saul's been anointed king, so there's a king of Israel. God's allowed for the king, they've called for him, this is who they want, they've called him. But God said to Samuel, he said, Samuel, verse 1, it says, Samuel also said to the, to the Lord, send me, uh, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord has sent me to anoint you king over Israel and his people over Israel, therefore heed the voice and the words of the Lord, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish the uh, Amalekite, or Amalek. Now, as soon as he, God has got a man in position, he's got the king, somebody that's going to rally the troops, somebody that the, people's, uh, the Israelites are going to get behind, an army, if you like, God remembers what the Amalekites did. Now, when the Israelites left Egypt, after all the plagues and after the opening of the Red Sea, after that, there's a verse in there that says that God said to his people, we should, I should take them the long way, because if they go the short way, my people would, their hearts would grow faint for the fights that's coming, for the people that was there. So they went down and they went into the, the wilderness, into the desert, didn't they? And that's where they wandered for 40 years for their own grumbling and complaining. But God was taking them the long way around, not the short way. Well, a short way, they would have to have had fights and battles. God took them in a place to miss, if you like, the Amalekites, get away from them. But they didn't do that. So if you read later on, you're reading, um, I think it's chapter 17 of Exodus, and it's in Numbers, how the Amalekites come. And what they never, they never attack the front of the Israelites, they come behind and attack them, the, all those that was at the back. <coughs> now, when they was marching and going to where they were going, who's at the front? Now all the soldiers, all the men of war, everybody's at the front. Who's at the back? Well, it's all the ones that can't keep up, all the old and the infants, it's all the young, it's all the weak, it's all the lame, it's all those that are, that are just trying to get, keep up with the crowd. And these come round to the back and started slaughtering all the Israelites from, from the back. And these are the people, you know, when <coughs> God said to God, give Joshua the go and fight them. Do you remember when Moses held his arms up and all the time that his arms were held up, they was winning. When his arms dropped, they was losing. So they sent Aaron and another man and um, her, I think his name was, and they held their elders arms up so that they would keep winning. And that's, this was the Amalekites at that point. This was them. These Amalekites are not good people. They're bad. There's some interesting facts. Do you know Saul finally died? His death was by an Amalekite. He was the one that finished him off. Do you know um, these people? This king, Agag. Now I've read this, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to explain it properly, but I asked Johnny and he said, yeah, it was true as well. So there's two of us here, Joseph might know this. That in the book of Esther, a man called 
Hanan. Hanan? Hanan, the bad man. He was relation to this man. He was an Ammonite. So these people always wanted to wipe out Israel. I think they must be related to the Palestines. I don't know what's going on there. They must be... But these people always wanted to wipe them out. Now, I want you to think about something. God classed this as a sin amongst the Ammonites. What they'd done was sinful. It was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. This, when God has said he's raised Saul, Saul's now got an army. I remember what they did. I want you to go back and deal with them. Do you know how much time had passed? How much time had passed? What a guess. Did you do last week? 400 years. Yeah, 400 years had passed. So 400 years had gone past this time. That's... From when? From when they attacked Israel, when they'd come round the back and attacked Israel. So the Ammonites, they attacked when they was wandering in the desert, when I was coming through to go into the Promised Land. They attacked them. Sorry, Johnny asked me to record this message. I've had a phone call and it's not the recording off, so... Well, I think it has. No, it ain't. That's the time. <laughs> so there's 400 years. There's 400 years. And my point is that I thought about this. We, put, we, we think that time covers up sin and it don't. We don't. Things that you've done in the past, unless they've been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're not forgiven. Think about that. Because we as human beings, don't we, we kind of think, oh, there's enough water gone under that bridge. Yeah, that's all forgot about. <coughs> I don't know, some of us travelling people, though, for generations, we don't know what our grandfather's argued about. For generations, we can remember it. Oh, we don't know, but we don't like them people, that's it. We can have that bit of an attitude. But God remembered. God remembered the sin of the Ammonites or the Amalekites. He remembered their sin. And he remembered everything that had gone on. And God said, I will deal with you. When there's time, I'm going to deal with you. God is just. And remember, all this time, these Ammonites never repented, never come and said, look, we got it wrong back then. They never done that. They was always at Israel. They was always willing to kill them. And it, through history, when you see about, um, in Esther, when you see that man, when you see Saul, who was the one that was finally put to death, when you see these people, they was the ones that was against them. So then when you understand, and this is a very, very hard thing to understand, but when it comes to his order, he said, I want you to go in and I want you to kill everyone and everything. Men and women, children and infants. Who give that command? God give that command. And we can have, many of us here, we can have problems with that, can't we? We can say, why kill the children? Well, when you look in Israel at this present point in time, you're looking at Israel, yeah? You, you can see what's going on in the world. We've got a group of people that's killed men, women and children, and I mean slaughter them, and now the Israelites are coming in to kill them, blow up a mass, but they're getting men, women and children getting killed. Everybody's crying out because their women and children are getting killed now. They're crying out for this. But it's, is it not justice? Is not, they're, they're not, I don't believe that women and children need to be killed in that way. They should have 
armies that's fighting, not this way. But God remembers. And God at that time, he knew that the Israelites couldn't deal with these people. And he knew the future of these people. He knew if you leave one, this is what's going to happen. Like Haman, he was one that got left, got through. What did he do? Want to wipe out Israel. God knew what he was doing. And God is just in what he's doing. Now, for me and you, we might not see that. But for here, God is just because God knew the, the, the beginning. He knew the middle and he knows the end. And he knew the reason why he was doing this. God gave these people enough time to repent. But they wouldn't. And these uh, Amalekites, and you see that these were... These Amalekites come from the line of Esau. These come from that line, Esau's line. And when you trace it through, there was always against them. It was Esau's line that come against them in the book of Gideon. The Edomites that was there. And you see the, the line of these people that was always set against them. And then you see these other group of people that he told them to, to get out of the valley. The Kenites. They was from Moses' father-in-law. They was his people. From Jethro's people. And they helped the Israelites come in. When they come into the land, they helped them. They took joy. They said, what happened? Oh, God has saved us from the, the Israelites. And look what he's... Uh, the Egyptians, but look what he's done. With all the plagues, he opened the sea. He fed us. He looked after us. And they was pleased to receive them. But these people wouldn't. They robbed them. They wanted to kill off of them. God said, so God has given Saul a job to do. And his job is to go in and take everything away. Kill, wipe them all out. But not that. Don't take nothing. Leave the lot. Kill the lot and leave everything. For what these people did, don't spare nothing. And the Bible says that, that Saul attacked. He had no problem in attacking and killing Everybody there, but he kept the king back. Why keep the king? Why do that? Is it the show of his own pride and how good he is? Is it what was? Why keep the king? Why? Why do this? It says he's, in verse nine. It says, "But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatted lambs, and all the all that was good." Uh, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything uh, dis, uh, despised and worthless that they were utterly destroyed. Everything that they couldn't use, everything that was despisable to the Egyptian, uh, to the Israelites, everything they didn't want, they wiped it out. We're obeying the Lord. What 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 has no value to me? I'm going to try and get rid of that completely. That's what I'm going to do. There's a, a sheep in the field. It looks a uh, hundred year old. It's one leg ain't working. It's it's but the man's kept it. It ain't no good for anything. We're going to kill that. But the one next to it is, a, is that one's cushy. We're keeping that one. And in their mind, they're saying, "Yeah, we've done what the Lord has told us to do. We've we've killed everything. They've killed of everything that was worthless to them." They never kill everything that, that, that God had told them. They just done what was worthless to them. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. When God tells us to get rid of things in our life, sometimes it costs us. Getting rid of things that you want to get rid of 
getting, getting rid of things or getting, putting the things to one side, getting rid of sin that you want to get rid of. That's no sacrifice at all. <clears throat> it's all. It's giving over all to the Lord. Doing what He tells us to do. Now it says in, in, in verse 10, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I am greatly regretting that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned his back to, uh, from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And, and it grieved and it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet the Lord, uh, to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and has gone up around, uh, around past by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ear, and the lowing of the oxen I hear? And Saul said, They, are, uh, they have brought them from the Ammonites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and to rest and the, sorry, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this last night. And I say to you, speak on. Uh, and, and he said to, to speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, when you were not head of any tribes of Israel, and did not, did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Ammon and the Amalekites and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not swoop down on the spoil and, on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Here we have the, the art of, you see the heart of Samuel here and the heart of the Lord and the heart of Saul. You see how Saul now is, how Samuel has spoke with the Lord. And the Lord has told him, look, I'm grieved that I've made him king. He followed me once. He'd well, he, he done something. He wanted, what I wanted him to do, he did. And now he's no longer doing it. And I'm grieved that I've made him king. And the Bible says that Samuel cried aloud to the Lord all night. He cried out to the Lord. What was he crying for? He wasn't crying for his own self. He, him and the Lord had a right relationship. He was crying out. He was pleading with the Lord. He was praying, wouldn't he? Lord, what's going on? Tell me, Lord. Show me what I've got to do. And he's praying to the Lord all night. And the Lord spoke to him and told him, go to, go to the King Saul. And King Saul, you see here, and he says to him, oh yes, oh greetings, we have done what God has told us to do. I tell you what I don't like about this. I don't like that he set up his own uh, statue, his own monument. He's killed the Ammonites. He's gone to the Mount Carmel and he's set up his own statue. His own, yes, I beat the Ammonites, big stone, big rock, or whatever he's put up there. King Saul has done this. 
And then he's gone around and he imagined the parade that he's had and how good this man is and they've got all the spoils. He's even parading got, got the king of the Ammonites. Yeah, look how good I am. I like how Saul come and he come to him and Saul, Saul said to him and he's speaking and Saul says to him, uh, sorry, and Samuel says to Saul, be quiet. He's telling him how great he is. Oh yes, we've done everything. We went and done everything as the Lord said and we've done it in him. Shut up. Now you listen what you've done. That's what he's saying. And he said to him, he said, can you remember when you was just a little dog? Can you remember when you was humble? Can you remember when you cried to the Lord, why me? Why did you anointed me? Can you remember that when you was humble in heart? And when you read King Saul, when you read the story of King Saul, he started off with a hump being humble. He was an humble man looking for his father's donkeys. That's what he was doing. And then when he come to the, the mountain and this Saul said, yeah, this is the one. God had said the, to Samuel, anoint you king. And he took it on and he was like so humble in what he was doing. But now the pride has set in. And pride is the worst thing to set into any man's heart, especially those that are serving the Lord. Pride sets in, I'm as good as him. Why doesn't God use me? I'm, I'm do everything that they do. What's up with me then? When pride sets into a person's life, it kills them. It, they, just, they become nothing. It's all about the flesh. It's all about what they can do or where they've been or what they've did. And nothing about what God is doing. And here we have Saul that, that, that is saying, look how good I am. He's even gone and set up his own image. And here we have, here we have now, the prophet has come to him. and said, don't you remember when you was just a dog? When you had nothing don't you remember when God called you? Don't you remember them things? Where have you gone from that? You're leading armies now, setting up your own image and disobeying the Lord. Why are you doing this? Where he said to Samuel, he said, oh, we've done everything that the Lord has done for us. We've, 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 we've gone there and we've slaughtered the lot. And he says something. And he said to him, as he's standing, can you imagine this? As he's standing amongst a group of people. And he's, as the prophet stood there, and Saul's telling him all the good things that he has done, and he can hear the sheep bleating in the background. He can hear them. And he says, what is the bleating of this sheep that I can hear? What's going on? And then when he says it, something clicks in Samuel, uh, in Saul, and he went, oh, but we brought them back to sacrifice to you, to, to your God. We've brought them all back to sacrifice to your God. Oh, mate, what a twist that was. Do you not think that God knew the heart of every person that was there? He most certainly did. Do you think that was true? No. It's surprising what people are saying when they call out. It's surprising what people are saying. Oh, I've done it for the Lord. I, 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 do you know what? I've I, I done that and it was all for, I went for the glory of the Lord, but, you know, they never did it at all. They never done it for the glory of the Lord at all. They took the spoil. They took for what their own greedy desires wanted. They took it. They were told to wipe it all out. No, they didn't. They took what, what, what they desired. When God had said no, they went beyond what he said and tried to take for themselves what they wanted. Brothers and sisters, learn. When God tells us no to things, it's for our own benefit. 
When he says no, don't try and justify it and go for it. Don't try and justify it and say, oh, well, look, I'm going to go here and I believe the Lord's led me this way. And yeah, nothing to do that everybody's like earning loads of money or there's plenty of company or there's something else going on. Nothing to do with that at all. God knows your heart. You can fool me, you can fool everybody else. God knows the heart. And what was going on here? God looked straight through it. He poured it into Samuel's life. And he said, that's what's going on. And when he stood there and he's trying to kid and he could hear the sheep. And he says, what's the bleating of this sheep I can hear? What's going on? They they, they wasn't willing to sacrifice the things that they wanted. They wasn't willing to sacrifice the thing that they valued. What I had then. Do you know the rich young ruler? You know, I'll tell you something about the rich young ruler. When he came to Jesus, Jesus told him the truth. And the Bible says he walked away. Jesus never chased after him and said, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make a bit of provision for you. I'll sort you out. Don't worry about it. That's the kind of God that we think that we've got. Jesus never run back to the rich young ruler and tried to tease him and say, look, well, look, I'll try and do something for you. I'll try and get that way. He never he said, sell everything you've got and come follow me. What an opportunity. That rich young ruler could have been one that followed Jesus. Wherever he's at now, I hope to God that he's in heaven. I hope to God that he did repent. But if he's not, can you imagine the torture that he'd have in hell? These people wasn't willing to give up the things that they thought was value to them. There was a reason that God said, wipe the lot out. There's nothing good coming from this. They haven't got it by good game. They haven't got it. They've come and, do you not understand, that 400 years ago, they come and robbed their people. They come and took their spoil. We come and done wicked things to their people. And that you're going back to them to take them things back. Have nothing to do with it. Wipe the lot out. Wipe the slate clean. And it was God's idea. God wanted that. And they wouldn't. And then when they was called out, it was like, oh yeah, but we're only doing it for the Lord anyway. Thank you. Don't you. Make mistakes. Make plenty of mistakes. Repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. But don't make provision for wrongdoing. These people was making provision for wrongdoing. You know what happens when we make provision for wrongdoing? Our pride steps in. We make God less than us more. That's what, that's what Saul was doing. Oh, look how great I am. Look how good I am. So when God come to him and he spoke to him, when, when Saul come to him and spoke and he said, Can you not remember... When you was just a little man. When you was humble and you was happy to receive the things from the Lord. Can you not remember them days? Can you not remember the joy and the excitement it was when your name was written in the land of the life? Can you not remember that? Can you not remember that God had forgiven you of all your sin, come into your life and changed you? And brothers and sisters, don't pick up the spoils of this world and think that they're blessings from God because sometimes God don't want you to have them. He don't. If anything puts you further away from the Lord, then they're things that God does not want you to have. Know that. If there's there's things in your life that puts you further away from the Lord, they're things that God does not want you to have. He see today, you see, God see how Israel had become greedy. We ain't going to obey the Lord, we're going to do what we want. Verse 18, it says, Now the Lord sent you on a mission, and so go utterly destroy the sinners 
and the Ammonites and the Ammonites and fight against them until they are uh, consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? What they had done by not destroying it all was deceitful and it was God called it evil. He never said anything else. God said you did evil. And then Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and <coughs> sorry. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Ammon. And I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Think about that. Do you know the worst thing when someone's found out? They always blame someone else, don't they? They always blame, with me, well, I tell you what happens. And you know, listen, anybody who's got children here, you know what that's like. Because you say to somebody, what did you do? Well, it wasn't me. I'll tell you what happened. He pushed me and I fell backwards and I punched him in the chin and knocked his teeth out. That it was like, it's always somebody else's fault. It's never your own, is it? But how childish is that when we try and do that to God? Who knows all? Own it. If you've done wrong, oh, that's what God wanted. He wanted him to own it. He wouldn't. It wasn't me. I never done These people, they see all this lot, they done it. But if he was king and in his command, remember the chapter before? He was going to kill his son. Don't nobody eat, nobody eat. Now, he's saying, well, they, they took it all themselves. Like they wouldn't have been obedient. He allowed for it. And I want to read this, and this is fantastic. I want you just to, to understand this. This is the heart of God. <coughs> so Samuel said, verse 22, Has the Lord greatly delighted in burnt offerings and sacrifice? As in obedience, the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed that the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. That's big, isn't it? That is big. You know, let me tell you something. All the sacrificing that they could have done, all the sacrificing of the lambs and the goats and sorry, the lambs and the the the, the rams and the oxen, all the sacrificing that they could have performed. Do you know it's better to be obedient to the voice of the Lord? That's how God sees it. Do you know every law that God had set up, every law, every commandment. There's probably a few that you wouldn't do, but every every commandment. You was able to break a dietary law if it meant if you was on a desert island and the only thing there was a pig. God wanted you to live, so He'd let you allow for you to kill the pig to eat it and survive. He wouldn't have said, "No, you're not allowed to eat pork. You best die." Life is always more important to God. Life was always more important, and it, things here that was going on there was to be obedient to the Lord in in what God tells us is better than sacrifice. Better than sacrifice. He said here, he said that, he said, behold, uh, 
For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He's telling him, what you've done is no different than what the witches do. They rebel against God. How do they do it? Because they go and worship the devil. But you're disobedient. You're not doing what God has told you. That's rebellion. That's the sin of witchcraft. The brothers and sisters, I see that. I try and look at that a lot different than what the word of the Lord tells me. I try and think in my own rebellion. Oh, no, that's not that. Look, Lord, I'll deal with that later. And God's saying, no, deal with it now. Lord, look, don't. God, look, when I'm ready, no, deal with it now. But me being rebellious is that's the sin of witchcraft. Is that not true when we take the bread and wine? You not willing to put something right is the sin of witchcraft. And we don't see it that way, do we? We, we, we tend to say, well, you know, you know, God sees it that way, so that's what's important to us. We have to put things right that's wrong. That's what God, we're, not, we're not in rebellion, we do what the Lord tells us. Otherwise, we're not children of God. He goes on and he says that... Um, Stubbornness, not willing to bend, being stubborn. No, I'm right, that's it. I'm done, that's it. That's like idolatry. That's idolatry. That's somebody worshipping you, you're an idol then. It's idolatry, that's what that is. <coughs> so he spoke this into Saul's life and he said, for all this, what you've done, God rejects you now, you're no longer king. God is going to take this away from you. You're no longer king. This act, this one thing, this not being willing to, to do what the Lord had told to the, to the letter of the law, if you like. God's told him what to do, he's not willing to do it. He's been rebellious, he's took the land, he's took the sheep, he's done what he wants to do, he's took the refinery. God says, right, that's it, I'm done with you. It, it, so it says he also has rejected you from being king. That's it, he's ripping the kingdom out of your hands. You're done. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Again, he's putting this on other people. Again. It's not repentance. <coughs> I have sinned, but it's then. Again. It's never here. Because I, I, I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So again, look, that's it. Done. Done. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has tore the kingdom of Israel from your hand, and has given it to your neighbour your, of yours, who is better than you. And also, the strength of Israel will not lie, uh, will not, or nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. So he's saying that God is not a man that's going to relent here. God has said that he's done it. He's going to tear this away from you. You think that what you've done is okay, it's repentable, it's okay. But here, what he had done wasn't. He's going to take the kingdom from him. He disobeyed. And God see that as a, a complete rejection. Then he said, I have sinned. <coughs> Yet honour me. 
pleased before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back and said to Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Ammonites here, to me. So Agag came, uh, came to him cautiously. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death has passed. Agag's pleading for his life here. He's saying, surely the time for me to die is gone, and it, I'm all right. It's everything's all right. Ain't time for me to die now. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramon, and Saul went up to his house in, Gil- in Gilbert. Of Saul and of Samuel went no more to see until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord uh, regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. That's chapter 15. Should be plenty of questions, plenty of questions tonight. I like how, because the king Saul never done it, Samuel had to do it. Samuel had to kill Agag. He had to do it. And it was something that wasn't for him. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have had to do it. But he had, he, he done, he was obedient to the Lord. <coughs> so, is there any question? 